I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Self-Helpful. I'm your guide, Kevin Miller, and I curate the sea of new personal development messages to bring the most influential leaders onto this show. Join me as I question my guests to better understand their counsel so we can all integrate the wisdom into our lives because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. The Self-Helpful Podcast is presented by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping coaches. Visit Ziggler.com. Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast, where we bring you the very best in personal development and extract the big ideas, the big takeaways and the big actions so you can integrate them into your life and have the best experience of this world possible. This is our peak wellness episode where we give focus to our health and wellness specifically. Uh, it's the foundation for everything we do. And in this episode, I've titled it Dominate your day before breakfast, which is the subtitle or the tagline to the book sitting behind me for those of you watching the video. And the point here is looking at the immense power of starting your day intentionally, which I spent a lot of my life, most of my life, especially with kids, uh, which I think a lot of you appreciate. I, w I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But this, uh, we're going to talk about it. My daily domination expert. How's that for a title, Jeff? Is like Jeff it. Sanders. Thanks. Uh, Jeff has a popular and just really inspiring podcast called the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast. His book is also titled The 5 a.m. Miracle. And again, for you guys watching the video, that's what's over my shoulder here. I've been studying the book. I am talking through the concepts with Jeff today here in this episode. And for the record, as you're about to hear, this is not just about 5 a.m., which I appreciate, Jeff. And uh, it's not making that the holy grail. I, for one, I don't generally wake up at 5 a.m., not often. Uh, it's a little later, but I do follow the concept. That's the point. Uh, Jeff is a self-described plant-based marathon runner and personal development junkie, which makes us kindred spirits. And we got to spend about an hour together just recently, and I'm uh, just stoked to be together again. Uh, Jeff, yeah, thank you for being on the show. Hey, I'm excited, Kevin. This is gonna be a lot of fun. I, it is. I 
It's just one of those things that needs to be revisited. And I, mm-hmm. I saw in your acknowledgments that you, you uh, gave credit to or, or, or thanks to Hal Elrod. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it's been eons since we had him on the show with his Miracle Morning. Um, I had Rob uh, Robin Sharma on the show. Nice. Again, a long time ago at the 5 a.m. club. And here it is, you know, and I read your book and going, yeah, I've kind of fallen away. I, I can fall away from some of this stuff. I, <laughs> I get the power of it. But yeah, I, I appreciate I do appreciate your grace in this It's one of the most gracious things as opposed to the I'm not going to pick on anybody's name, but, you know, the hardcore. Yeah, I do this or you suck <laughs> kind of stuff. So I appreciate your grace. The, the thing I want to start off with really is just what what brought you to this? What's the story behind you that mm. said, holy smokes, this is not just important for my life. I actually want to do a show about it. I actually want to write a book about it. That's a big deal. What's the story? So I'm not an early riser as a, like my DNA does not want me up at 5 a.m. So I, I want to clarify that right away. This is not like some genetic gift where like 5 a.m. and I are like in yeah. harmony together. No, like this is a, a skill. It's a self-taught discipline. And it's one I practice as often as I can. Uh, the story of where it came from though was that essentially I graduated college and kind of entered into, you know, first jobs and trying to figure out my footing in the world. And of course, when you have your first nine, nine to five jobs, you have to be at work on time. And I didn't like getting up, putting on a suit, going to the office. It kind of bugged me. It's probably why I'm an entrepreneur now. Yeah. But a large part of that was I wanted to, I started realizing a pattern myself, which I would show up to work at the very last second. I was stressed out. My morning routine was hectic. And I just had this vibe about me that was like, this is unnecessarily stressful. I don't like how I feel. And so at some point along the line, I decided to train for my first marathon and realized that I didn't really have time in my day to get the training in that I wanted to. And I had a side business at the same time, which is now what I do full time. And so to fit training, full time job, a side business all in one day, the only time I had was before work to do my morning run. Oh, so I decided. I, I'm, can I interject there? Because I, sure. I, I read the book and yeah. I love that you said I really appreciate you said uh, that you, I think it was, you had intent to try to do it in the afternoon and try to do it in work <laughs> after work. Yeah. You thought you would try to do that. And then over yeah. and over and over, you just got interrupted. Cause I, I always want to say, mm. you know, guys, as we're going to continue talking about, the point is being intentional with your day. And if the time for you to get intentional is lunchtime, oh, fine. The point is doing it. Or if it's later in the evening and it's to plan the next day or something, theoretically that should work. However, and that's what you brought to statistically, and that was your story. It's stuff happens, life happens, which is why we say the most surefire, if you want the best insurance is to do it in the morning. Again, not making it the Holy Grail. It's just statistically, it's your best shot. And I appreciate you being candid about that in your story in the book. Well, and that's something that's been true for me forever. It's that I, I know that if something matters to me, it has to happen first thing in the day, which is, I mean, the 5A miracle concept, which I'm sure we can dig into more later. That's really the crux of it is I'm waking up early, not just because I love a good sunrise, which I do, but because I love to get something done that matters to me. And if I'm going to wait until 5 p.m. to do it, something's going to knock me off my schedule. Something's going to come up. And so that was kind of my story. So to get back to what I was doing with the the early mornings, I decided let's try a 5 a.m. wake up call to get to, to get to the park and do a short run. And then I can shower, change clothes, go to the office. And the very first day I tried it, I fell in love. It was this instantaneous feeling of I feel so energized by this. I feel so alive doing this. 
And it took me a few weeks to kind of adjust my sleep schedule and really feel well rested. But once I was going to bed early enough and waking up on time at 5am, my morning runs were amazing. I would get to the office feeling energized, I would have a productive day, like everything about what I was doing was just such a night and day difference from my previous lifestyle. And so for me, that became this, you know, real foundation for my own personal growth, my own focus on my business. And then I decided to write more blog posts about it because I was blogging then, which then later on pivoted to a podcast. Okay, you, I just thought about this, uh, Jeff, as you're talking. And I, for some reason, I don't, it's not like I watch boxing and, and stuff. I've probably seen most of my boxing on movies, you know, watching Rocky <laughs> or something like that. But thinking about that concept, imagine if the big, you know, the big fighter is going to gets is going to come in and they drive with on a cab or their limo or whatever, but through, you know, downtown New York traffic and it's hectic or whatever. And they jump out and they're trying to get rid of the paparazzi and they jump into the building finally. And somebody says, OK, dude, you just got just you got it. You're on. You're on. Get Jump in the ring. And the guy gets in and, and does it. They don't even set him down. And so, OK, you got like five seconds. Are you ready? And the guy <laughs> says, OK, fight. And I go, OK. I mean, that's the most asinine thing in the world. And yet yeah. that's what I used to do as well with my morning, get up, you know, and the baby's crying or whatever. And you do that. And this kid's got to go to school and whatever. And then you get to the job and holy crap. And then the phone rings and the secretary <laughs> comes in and what it makes no sense because when I finally did it and it mm. took me so long because I just, well, and we're going to get into sleep and, and those issues in a second. And when I finally did it, what you just said, that you fell in love with it. When I finally yeah. got up early, which I didn't want to do, it's still dark outside, which to me was kind of depressing. And, <laughs> uh, and I sat down, it's quiet. I took a deep, deep breath. I had my coffee. I think probably had a journal, probably had my Bible at the time and, and, and whatnot. And I did that. And then somebody wakes up and I thought right there, I think that's when it hit me. Somebody wakes up, a kid probably wakes up and, you know, yeah. patters down, thought I'm, I'm actually ready for them. I'm kind of, mm. this is a new world than that hectic thing that we, I don't want to say we glorify it in the culture, but it's just the expectation. That's what you do. You wake up at the last minute, you rush off to school, you rush off to whatever. So you saying that I fell in love with that. I, I want, yeah, I, I want people to hear that with, it's not some supernatural, uh, righteous <laughs> thing. It's just going, Oh my gosh, I get it. And, and I'm back thinking about the prize fighter and they've got him in the, what would it be the locker back, you know, the, 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 the way back in the wings going, okay, are you ready? You ready? Are you, are you centered? You warm up, you take some time. And then the guy comes out and goes, all right, I'm going to dominate. <laughs> that is that not a good, I love the analogy. That's, that's great. I mean, that's, I, I use the, the phrase a lot in my book and my podcast to bounce out of bed with enthusiasm, because a lot of what I'm trying to get to is a place where you, you do wake up feeling more ready right when you first wake up. So one thing that your point about kind of the morning is difficult, you can feel groggy when you first wake up, there's a time period that it takes to kind of get the day going. I know for me, like I need a first cup of coffee, I need to kind of get moving. Uh, but one thing I've also shifted to is if I have this consistency of an early morning wake up call, I can to the point of your boxer be a little bit ready a little bit faster, a little more awake a little quicker, because I've built a system that is like amped up almost the night before to say, 5 a.m. is coming and I'm ready for it now. And then I go to bed and when 5 a.m. hits, off I go. And a big part of my running routine and my training for marathons really is based on this idea that I want to bounce out of bed and feel fantastic and, and go after the thing I'm looking forward to right away. And that is a real 
it sounds very foreign if you are in the world where everything is difficult first thing in the morning. It sounds almost like it's an impossible fantasy. But once you get into it and that rhythm is the norm, it's like and it's a, a drug for me. Like I want to just keep that going, keep feeding that because it's so powerful for my habits and my energy and enthusiasm. Okay, now, well, you just said it. You know, you, you wake up, you want to go after X. And we had the good fortune of spending an hour or so together a couple mm-hmm. of days ago with me on your show talking about what drives you. That is important. I mean, you also experience something that you were driven to go after, whether it's work, family, yes. feeling good so you can do X and that motive underneath was there. So let's un- unpack that a little bit. You talk about goals a whole lot in your mm. book. Yeah. And I think sometimes we say that and we presuppose that people do have goals. I'm going to address that <laughs> person who's thinking about this as man, it sounds great. But what if they don't have something in their life that they're that excited about? Mm-hmm. I mean, to get out of bed, and if you're getting out of bed, gosh, I don't want to rip on, you know, kids, but if you're thinking, ah, it's the cranky kids and stuff, we all have that. God bless our kids. But sometimes, I mean, we're not looking forward to getting up in the morning and dealing with the morning rush, whether it's a poopy diaper or a sullen teenager or whatever it may be, uh, which I've gone through a lot of kids, still got them at the house. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not what you're looking forward to. And then if you're going off to a job that you do not like, Mm. uh, that makes it, I mean, hit on the honesty of that. That's, that's gonna, there's got to be something. There's got to be a carrot there that you are saying, yeah, I do want to get up to do X, which for you, I don't know your story, what work you were doing, but it sounds like you keep talking about the marathon that even maybe more than work, it was something that you were doing in your personal life, a personal interest that maybe was the shining motive mm-hmm. at the time. Is that fair? That's a hundred percent true. Really? So I've, I worked a variety of what I was called nine to fives that I was never interested in. And, you know, everything from working at a bank to working at a mall to working at a, a career college, like I've run the game of just like random odd jobs to pay the bills. All the while, though, my kind of personal life was how do I push myself forward? How do I run a marathon? Do I start a side business? Do I investigate some new personal curiosity? Uh, I was reading a ton of books at the time, watching documentaries, just exploring, you know, what am I passionate about? What am I drawn to? And then how do I fill my life with more of that? And then, you know, my story eventually concludes with I lost a day job because the company went bankrupt. I was all of a sudden unemployed overnight and then went full time as an entrepreneur from then on. And which was kind of fit the career uh, motive. But prior to that, I was doing all the other stuff with how do I push myself physically, mentally, you know, educationally, like whatever the thing is, let's fill my life with all the things I think that I'm drawn to and explore all of that and then fill my time with those things so that at 5 a.m., I am excited to wake up and go do something. And if I'm not, then that's my mission to go fix that problem. Okay. I want to keep playing here because it's of interest to me because yeah, we, again, one of these self-help things that we presuppose that somebody has something they're excited to go after. If you don't, who the heck wants to get up at 5 AM just to deal with the, you know, the, the minutia, the grind, whatever. And we're going to talk about sleep in a second. I don't want, I don't know if I want to jump there yet, but one of the things that helped me go to sleep earlier and be excited about that was I started reading fiction again, had a buddy who got me, Mm. giving me books. And now literally I'm always looking forward every single night. And this has been years now because Mm. I've got a book that I'm reading and I'm wanting to know what happens in the next chapter and stuff. And it's a motive to go to bed. Okay. But before we jump into sleep, which is super important in this discussion, as you know, 
looking at the morning, if you have a life and it's not inspiring right now, things are not great. You've got strained relationships. You've got the grind. You've got a job you don't like. You're dealing with things. I'm wondering, I hadn't thought about this till now, uh, Jeff. I wonder about maybe find something to be excited about in the morning. What are you going to get up to do? Because it's just a dread what's happening in front of you. You might as well stay in bed and get some more snooze. <laughs> but maybe think, you talked about working a side gig. Maybe that's when you get up and go, man, I get to work on that that idea. I've been working on that side gig, which could get me out of this crappy job. Or writing a book. I know a lot of people who get up in the morning to write a book, something they're excited about. Or or what, or go for, you know, for those who, who do like running, you know, not everybody does, or heck, I don't know if you like gardening or what's that hobby that you enjoy and go, man, that's going to be my special time. Maybe look for something small. If you don't have the huge, big, hairy goal out there, I just hadn't thought about that because not everybody has that thing to look forward to right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the idea of choosing something you are excited about and having that be your focus first thing is so crucial. And to your point about it not being a big goal, it doesn't have to be big at all. It could just be anything that you are curious and want to explore more of, because I find that that's what then grows into the bigger goals mm -hmm. is you started with something that was small and interesting, and then you explore that more and you go deeper. And so then that's where all of my projects come from. They start with something very small I want to test out. It's always an experiment. I see what it's like. If I like it, I do more of it. And that's it. And it's very simple in that way. And it's caused me to do a thousand things I don't want to do to find the few things I do. And that has led to so many breakthroughs. And a lot of it is predicated on the idea that I'm utilizing the hours of my day more intentionally than before and acknowledging like I do have time early in the day. I do have time maybe after work. I, I can figure out when these blocks of time fit. And then I have more time in my day devoted to things I'm passionate about. And that's what leads to so many amazing breakthroughs. I, well, agreed. And it was, I think until you experience it, it's hard to, because going back to that, yeah. I mean, how many people are, and I want to talk about the power of the intentional day, but I keep thinking about, you know, just the aspects that we're talking about of the more, the struggle with the morning. Most people do have, I mean, the reason for the 5 a.m., as opposed to, I, oh, let me go to that. So I, I don't have to do the 5 a.m. so much because I have a lifestyle that I can get up later and I can have that time. I don't have sure. yeah. pressure. Um, I even do some stuff, kind of get some of the kids off and then come back. I'm self-employed. And then I have, generally I have my time before they get up. But if I don't, I can have it after. So I have the luxury yeah. of that. At some point, I'm going to have my intentional time and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to be able to do it. But for those who have kids, they're going off to school and it's a hard stop, you know, or hard start. I'm sorry, hard start at whatever. What was your, what, what is your kind of hard start to the day with, you know, kids or, or if we look <laughs> statistically, yours are, or just statistically, is it, you know, 730? I mean, that's when, man, boom, you're off. You're in the ring whatever that is. for most people. Yes. Yeah, so I have two young girls. Um, one of them has to leave the house at 7am. So my wife takes her, my other daughter goes to school at 830s, I take her. And so both my wife and I are awake around 545 to six, and the kids are up at 630. And so we've got about a 45 minute window to play with, uh, to get ourselves ready. And then we take care of them. They're off to school. Workday begins from there. So my schedule today is quite different than it was when I wrote this book a few years before yeah. I had kids. But the principles are all the same. It's still that same idea of the kids definitely have hard starts and a certain block of time that they need. And so as long as I have the bit of me time prep beforehand, and then the schedule afterwards, that's intentionally set to optimize 
it all still works. It's just the pieces of the puzzle move around a little bit differently. Well, and part of this is even blocking out. We just did a series not long ago on boundaries, you know, and mm-hmm. blocking the time out. So the idea is, yeah, being up in the morning before anyone else when you're not interrupted. Even that, I've gone through times, Jeff, with, and I've got a lot of kids uh, <laughs> where, I mean, literally, there's somebody up at 2 a.m. And there's somebody up at 5 a.m. already. I mean, just with the different kids, there's no, I'm not going to get up at two. I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) And so, you know, it may be that there's a kid up at at six o'clock or whatever. I'm not talking to you. This is my time. And (laughs) literally I've had to do that. I've gone, man, I'm in my study. The door's closed. And even though you're up, I'm just, I'm going to block this time. So we're back to the intentionality. Let's go ahead though and hit on sleep. Sure. Because... I, again, appreciate you saying, man, sleep is paramount as an athlete, especially, well, I say that as an athlete, I don't care anything you're doing, sleeping is paramount, but you know, if you're an athlete, it seems to be, you feel it a little more acutely if you're a work in a creative aspect a lot. That's what hits me, man. I cannot be creative. I can do busy work no matter what, but I can't Mm -hmm. be creative if I'm not rested. And well, so let's go to sleep. And I appreciate you saying, man, if it's a late night being militant and going, "Ah, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. anyways, and I'll get four hours of sleep. I might cancel itself out. eh? Uh, Oh, it backfires in a big way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the message is that I've had lots of people email me over the years asking that exact question. They're like, well, I'm trying to squeeze in as much time as possible and optimize my hours. I'll just cut sleep back from eight hours to six and then from six to four. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going backwards. Like we want more sleep. And that's always the MO. It's like, it's just change your rhythm so that sleep matters most. Because to your point about creativity, like I definitely experienced that where if I don't have sleep, my creative brain is turned off. And I need not just being well rested, but also being physically fit, having good nutrition, good hydration, all those things feed into more creative energy for me to apply to my work and fixing my problems and whatever I am working on. And so the sleep component is the foundation for all those things. Like that's where everything starts is, are you going to bed on time? Are you getting quality sleep? Are you getting enough sleep? And if that's true, it's like everything else is easier. Everything else just kind of falls into place because your brain is ready to do the hard work that's necessary. And if you don't have that time, your brain is literally foggy and you're just in a cloud and it's it's kind of a done deal. And I just, I, I've been there so many times. I don't want to be there if I can help it and I can't help it. So I'm going to change my lifestyle to fix it. Okay, let's talk about that because that is, yeah, you just said it, changing your lifestyle. I just wrote down, you have to reorient your life. And Mm. um, man, again, I don't want to, I want to say this with grace and compassion from a, not from a, well, you know, it's hard for me and I did it, so you should, but (laughs) I, I have, I have grace. I've gone through so much of life with older kids and younger kids and the older kids are up at night, man, and they're talking and they're having fun. And I don't want to miss that. So I tend to stay up with them. And the little kids are up early and I want to be up for, you know, hugs in the morning and taking care of them. And I struggled with that for a long time and ultimately realized I've, I, I can't do it all. I, I, I've got right. to have some, again, some boundaries. So there's times when I tell older kids, man, I love you guys. I'd love to stay up, but I'm going to go to bed. Otherwise I just can't, I can't make it. I can't do it all. So there is some of that, would you say giving up the good for the great? And I've had to reorient and look at my evenings. And a lot of times, man, everybody's ramping up for stuff. It's like nine o'clock and I'm going, guys, I'm out. Not all the time. And so sometimes I'm going to sacrifice. I may sacrifice that morning, but it does really make us look at the evening. And, and same thing. I don't want to come home from the workday or from the whatever 
and then just go, oh my gosh, I'm just in the door and boom to bed. I, I want that just like the fighter going into the ring. I want some downtime. I want some rest. I want to hang with the family and do dinner. I want to, I'd love to watch a little bit of a show or something or, or, or have some, you know, entertainment or whatever. I get that. So I want to have compassion as we talk about this, that it takes some reorient. And I have to say no to a lot of good things to, to protect this. I mean, you're talking about a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle yeah. design. That's what your book is about. It's, you know, it's labeled 5 a.m. Miracle, but it's about, this is a lifestyle design. If you want X, fair enough. Absolutely. And I think to your point about Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so it, your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. you know, the, the kids being up late at night and you wanting to spend time with them. I think the same thing, that's kind of like the FOMO issue, right? The fear of missing out on something that's happening. And because you've changed your lifestyle, you can't do those things anymore. I know one thing that I have known for myself is like, there's certain late night TV shows I might want to watch, or there's like, you know, a Netflix show I've been binging on, or there's a, a social event I wanted to go to. There's always some reason to not go to bed on time. There's something that keeps you up or could be work. You're just involved in a project. And I know that I have every excuse to stay up later 
But if my value is to go to bed on time because tomorrow morning matters more, then that's the shift I want to make. And I know I've had past experiences where I've been up later in the evening watching TV, have a glass of wine, kind of wasting my, my time by comparison to had I just gone to bed early and gotten up early and went for a run, that same, like, let's say two hour block of time in the evening that's no longer being wasted. I'm now sleeping. I get that back in the morning that I'm now optimizing. And it's the same 24 hour period of time. You're just going to move these pieces of the puzzle around to get more value out of what you care about. And the more that I see that in my own life, literally every day, the more just reinforces like how true this is and can be true for any lifestyle. You just move these pieces around to fit you better and it works. It does. I, I had a friend, uh, my one of my best buddies who often does the peak wellness shows with me, Randy James, Dr. Randy James. And he read somewhere, I think it was like a cultural thing hey, and this culture, whatever they really look at your day starts the night before. Mm. So convicting. And I got, I, again, I feel like with this, I'm feel really compassionate because I struggle with a lot, uh, a lot of this. I'm in the evening. I want to celebrate. I do. I want to <laughs> let's have dinner. I want wine. I want more wine. You know, I want want to have fun. I want to do it every evening. I want to celebrate life. And there's some aspect of going, life's too short not to. So I'm, I'm a, I'm going to celebrate usually most times, but then I'm also thinking, and I'm also, this is my prep for tomorrow. This is my Mm. prep for my show with Jeff, which is 9am my time, not super early, but it's kind of the beginning of the day. I don't have a long runway. I need to be here. So last night I'm probably, I need to watch what I do because that's setting me up for the next day. And that's a, it's a convicting thing. It's not always a fun thought. Honestly, I'm not always looking at, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm getting ready for the next day. I'm not, I'm not one of those gung-ho people. I'm ah, you know, I just, I got a budget. It's kind of like budgeting. Ah, you know, I probably shouldn't spend that money now because I need that here. I probably shouldn't spend that or, you know, do that right now because of the next day. And so I'm not always thrilled about all this, but it comes back to, I do have a goal. I do have Mm. something I want. I want tomorrow. And now we're into the intentionality of it, which as you know, and I appreciate you saying kind of at the beginning of your book, you're saying this isn't some innovative thing. You, you, you've taken a compilation. I, I yeah. like that. You said, I've taken a couple. I feel like that's what my show is. So it is some degree. None of this is, is new stuff. It's, you know, Solomon, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> and, but it's, we need to be told and we need to be reminded. We need it brought into this day and age and today's struggles and challenges, which are different and evolving, whatnot. And you're saying, you know, we come back to it. The point is being intentional about that. If you knew you could do it, you could theoretically do it in the evening. If you could set aside and you had the yes. lifestyle and whatever, you could sit down at seven or eight or go, okay, I'm going to plan out my day and kind of like getting ready to get in the ring. And in the morning, you kind of pop up and you go, I already planned this, man. I could jump in the ring. That's theoretically possible. If somebody, if that works for somebody, God bless you. Anything's better than nothing. Um, and the point is doing it, but now coming back to being intentional. Now I still have to, to focus on that, Jeff, even during that time mm. in the morning, I can spend it in a meditative aspect, looking out at the, at the, you know, uh, the scenery in my forest and whatnot, which is great. I still can do it and not really think through my day intentionally. Mm. Um, go through, kind of go through your methodology there. Cause everybody has different ones of being, the point is to kind of look at what are the, I mean, what do you look at the goals, the priorities, the, what are, how do you, how do you manufacture that? 
Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a mixture of all those things. I mean, the first thing thing most people look at would be your your boundaries, your hard stops, hard starts. Like, when are you these required time frames? I mean, kind of to the point you're making earlier a little bit on motivation to wake up and do something. If you have a specific time to be somewhere and do something, it changes your behavior. You may go to bed on time because the next morning there's a scheduled activity. And I feel like for me, let's use a run as a good example. If I want to run tomorrow morning, I'm not going to run arbitrarily or just whenever I feel like it. It'll be scheduled at a certain time in a certain place for a certain reason, certain distance. It's all very specific and predefined. To a certain degree, that's how my calendar is laid out. It's not that militant. I, I leave lots of flex room in large part because I'm, I'm a creative person. My, I have a creative business. I'm, all, I'm, I'm constantly getting new ideas all the time. I leave flexibility around my, my priorities. But I have those things that I start with my big rocks. I'm using the Stephen Covey analogy. Right. The big rocks of things that matter most, the hard stops and starts are already built in. And everything else revolves around those. And to the best of my ability, what I do with my, I have a task manager, so a glorified to-do list. And I organize those into two colors. The first are red, which are due today. And then everything else is blue, which means I don't have to do it at all. And my mission is to get the red things done first. Nothing else happens until those things are finished. And sometimes it takes me 20 minutes. Sometimes it's nine hours. It just depends on what those things are. But every single day I have predefined for that day what I have to get done that day and then I do it. And that has, it's really changed the way I view my time because it's priority based. Like it is, I have intentionally laid out here are the things that need to happen and I just make sure those get done. And then once they're finished, it's kind of like free time then. I can then pick and choose, be more lackadaisical, more relaxed. And that, that kind of balance between intentionality and hardcore focus, followed by more flex time and openness, gives me kind of two different days to experience every day. You know, the hardcore time and the chill time. Right. And it works. It's a good balance. Um, every day is a little bit different for me. There's no specific nine to five schedule I work. But there is that same sense of rhythm that I want to have between exercise, focus blocks of time on my work, uh, time with my kids and my wife in the evenings. So everything is... There's a rhythm to the whole process. Okay. I want everybody to hear what the concept, the methodology that you just laid out. I would say the majority of my high performing, fulfilled, successful friends are more along the lines of what you just talked about. Um, mm. of, of kind of figuring out a management system for yourself, following it and doing it. Now I say that because for the maybe lesser percentage of people out there like me, I have never been that successful with managing myself that well. I, I'm, mm. I, I'm whether, whether it's ADHD or whether it's, you know, whatever, um, I struggle with it and I, I pay for help bottom line, just like with a mm. CPA, that has been the most successful thing I've done, which not everybody has the ability to do though. You may look at some different ways. To do it. So I literally have a, an assistant and I get up in the morning and she gives me a, here's what's on deck for today. Mm. And it's kind of, these are the things that need to happen today. And here's a couple that are drop deads have to happen today. Cause she knows most of the stuff, a lot of stuff. It says it happens today. I'll kind of go, I ah, should probably be fine tomorrow too. And right. it'll go over. So she has to come to that. And those drop dead things are also actually, and we all know it, but it still works for me. We all know it's actually a week ahead of time. She has to give me the drop <laughs> dead a week. I'm still going to probably, either way, I figured out a way to manage myself and 
yeah, looking at those schedules. So my calendar is key. So right today from nine to you know 10 or 1030 today, I'm with Jeff. That's a drop dead. I'm here. I'm sitting here. My next schedule thing is over there between here. There's stuff to do, but it's kind of flex time. And I know sometime in there, I'm going to go out and ride or run. I haven't figured it out because I kind of figured, you know, I do it on the day ah, today. You know, I think I'll do some muscle stuff uh, today. I think I'll go, you know, I'll run five miles today. Actually, I'm going to do a 20 miler today, Wh- whatever. I just, I kind of do that. So it's figuring out your secret sauce. If you can do now, again, I want to come back. I say the most because I'm paying for it. That means I have to hire somebody. I got to do that. That's that's not, and I'm not, I've not always been able to do that, but I have not, I have always struggled to manage myself, to do what you're able to do. What I would say most of my success is a hard, you know, much of my friends who are succeeding in this type of uh, a structure, they are doing it themselves. They figured out a way to do it. They have an app or they have a, uh, some kind of a structured methodology. Is there anything that you use, by the way, like that? Like, uh, uh, you know, you rely on your calendar or use, uh, like, I, gosh, I, I come from the Ziegler organization, you know, and they have the Ziegler Performance Planner, which you literally, I mean, I've got one somewhere behind me mm-hmm. on the shelf. You literally go through and write it and revisit it and whatever. But do you have any kind of a specific resource or resources that you use? yourself I know not, not in the sense i mean like michael hyatt has like the full focus planner yeah, and there's a bunch like, of others that are similar to that um yeah. i have tried paper planners uh, off and on for years and i have it's never clicked for me okay um what i end up using is a combination of my digital calendar which i record i i'm, I'm very clear about the what's on the calendar versus my task manager okay. uh, the task manager is a, a company it's called nosby n-o-z-b-e actually i learned that from michael hyatt as well okay um that's an app I use for task management, which are my to do. So the smaller items, the individual tasks versus what's on the calendar, which are predetermined events, which have dates and times and are much more specific as to when they take place. And so if it, if it doesn't have a specific date and time, it goes on my task manager, and then I just pick a day that's the most appropriate for it. And so I in any given day, I'm looking at those two places to see first on the calendar, what you know, talking to you today on the calendar, I have to be there at a certain date and time. And then my task manager kicks in before and after those that event okay. to figure out what I'll work on aside from those big blocks. Um, also, I have a really intentional weekly review process where I you know review what happened last week, look ahead to the, the coming week, and I'll schedule all these things out the full week in advance. And I have a whiteboard over here in my office where I have the goals for the week and then I will keep track of this every day. How's my progress been on this project? And every day I'm reviewing that list. So that keeps me kind of reviewing here are the top goals for the week. What does today's calendar look like? And then all this kind of comes together and I choose pretty subjectively what I want to do that day that's most important. And so that's kind of how it all comes together. Okay. And again, I, I, I want to give people resources. I, I, your, your style, what you just talked about, again, I'm going to say is what I, if I pulled all my, you know, the people that I do life with and, and revere and whatever, I would say most of them fall into doing that. Again, I'm going to pull myself out. And for those out there who are hearing this and they still struggle again with it, I pay for some of that as well. I have a business manager mm-hmm. who's coming along and saying, okay, here's where we're at and helping me. And again, there's a cost to that. Some people can afford that. Some people may have to, but having grace that some are having struggles to do this. Now I do rely on my calendar a lot. And I, you know, personal stuff I go on and put there. Here's a kid's thing. I don't have somebody, I don't have a butler. I don't have somebody managing my personal <laughs> life like that. You know, so I'm still doing that kind of stuff. And I do work on a lot of to-do lists. Sometimes my morning is just sitting down going, 
oh my God, okay, here's what's on deck from my, you know, assistant. That's business stuff for the most part. She doesn't participate a whole lot in the personal, you know, here's the personal stuff and kind of just doing a brain dump. And I'm just on using uh, Apple, what do I use? Text, you know, text editor, whatever, just a, the kind of notes and going, okay, kind of a brain dump. Here's what I'm looking at today. And sometimes that's so, even that, just that alone is so good to like, I get it out mm. of my head, get it out oh, of yeah. my head. And that's not super organized or whatever, but to get it out of my head and then figure out what am I doing? Yeah. What are those? You, you mentioned <laughs> Covey and he's, uh, isn't he's, he's the four quadrants, right? Urgent, yes. important, important, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if, if folks, I mean, this is old school stuff, but it's still the, I think it's well, that's what I still use. I mentioned earlier okay. my red and blue colors that I use. Yeah. So the red is quadrant one, urgent and important. Thanks. And blue is quadrant two, which is not urgent, but important. And so from that perspective, I'm never scheduling non-important things. That's never on my list. If it's not important, I'm not doing it. And then the second thing is of those things that are important, which ones are urgent and do now? And which ones do I have more flex time on? And that really is the, I mean, I've used those filters for over a decade now. Covey's work is like deeply integrated into what I do because it's just so rock solid in terms of being able to quickly analyze, here's all the mess of my life. Now let me pluck out the few things that mean something and do that. And that kind of filtering is really powerful. So, I mean, coming, not coming back, but just to, to talk about this, I mean, we're still talking, but I mean, we're talking about the power first off of, in, uh, of having some time to think through your day, kind of like going back mm. to my fighter analogy, before you get out of the car in the middle of New York city and just jump in the ring to fight is some time to just consider, okay, what am I doing? Am I ready for this to center yourself? Anybody can do that right now. Day one, whether it's at 4am or 8am or 12, whatever you can do, we can do that. Now, though, we're talking about, and it, and it may take that time for you to say, okay, I, I need to do an audit. What am I doing? I mean, this is big medicine here. What am I doing? What's happening with my life? Getting intentional and going and going back to what you uh, just talked about. So Stephen Covey, if you put in Stephen Covey quadrants, I don't know, what would they search for? Yeah, four quadrants, I think that's what it's called. Okay, you'll find, I mean, this is 20 years old, more than that, maybe. Oh, I think it's been the eighties. I think it's is like 40. It? <laughs> it's a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. I still don't realize how old I am, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, see, but go find it. I mean, that's still the classic. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going to eclipse that, that concept there and to look at your life, which causes an audit and you may find out, Oh my gosh, I'm spending so much time doing something that is not that important. Uh, which I would tell everybody. Matter of fact, I was talking about boundaries. No, that this is a series we're, we're just finishing up. Go listen to my, go listen to my um, folks. Let's see. This is what would it be? It would be, uh, gosh, it's the four, the fourth part in the series I did on boundaries with Terry Cole, and it's my kind of wrap up and talking about. We talk about some of this about looking at your life and deciding. Yeah, what are you, what are your boundaries in essence? Uh, it's such a great thing to do in order to come into this this intentional morning aspect. So that's, it may take you just taking that time. That may be your first thing to do folks is get, you know, take this time and you sit down and we're talking about a life audit. I want to go through your four commitments. That's right at the beginning of the mm. book. I think chapter one, can I read those real quick? Go for it. Yeah. And have you talk about unpack a little bit. Sure. So you get these four commitments. I will have an intentional and written plan for my day every day. I mean, that right there is one of those pithy little things to say, 
that will put you in the what? I'm going to make it up. You know, all statistics. 85, Top 1%. Thank you. I was going to say 0.001. 85% yeah. of all statistics are made up on the spot. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be very, very few people. I mean, that is, it's one of those stupid pithy little, I will have an intentional and written plan for my day every day. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. And then we go, uh, how well, many of those? And I mean that on the weekends too. This is where people really okay. get mad at me. Like this is a, I, I am, I'm very hardcore with that first one. Like it is a, the drop dead requirement for me every single day, holidays, vacations, off time. I don't have off time. Like my life is my life regardless of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So the idea of a written plan to me is like the foundation for how I choose my time. And if that's in place, it, it can be 30 seconds to even like write down, like today's goal is just sit on the beach. I don't care. But like, if that is what it is, then just commit to that and go get the most of it. But like yeah. that to me has, it's an absolute game changer. Okay, I appreciate you saying sit on the beach because that's what I was going to follow it up with. Sometimes right yeah. now, as I talk about, we talked about this the other day on your show about drive that I'm trying, my drive, I'm still driven, but sometimes it's driven to sit on the beach. Don't do yeah. it. So I'll have sometimes on the Saturday or a Saturday or su maybe a Sunday, especially where it's Kevin, do nothing. No productivity <laughs> today. Do not do anything. As I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs going, oh, yeah. my gosh, what am I going to do? And, you know, but I, I know I need that. So thank you for saying, okay, I got it. Uh, number two, I will consistently implement healthy habits for optimal energy and enthusiasm. All right, Jeff. So I, I love that. And it goes back to a guy that I talked with six years ago. So I need to touch base with the guy. I actually talk about him in my book and he doesn't even know about it. Hmm. Um, and uh, Joshua Spodek is his name. And he talked about Sidja, this thing he kind of coined, self-imposed, daily, challenging, healthy activity. Anybody can, anybody can look it up. Jeff Spodek, he's a, uh, he's like an astrophysicist or something. And uh, Sidja. And the point was that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read yours again. I will consistently implement healthy habits for optimal energy and enthusiasm. And just the mental aspect of doing these things that you do not have to do, which is really your, 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 your talk. The aspect of getting up at 5 a.m. or whatever and being intentional, I think about, oh, that'll help me with my day. And what Joshua helps us realize is, no, doing that healthy, good thing that you don't have to do, nobody's requiring of it, it is you and you alone. That in and itself is a brain shift that will help your overall positive evolution in ways that go way beyond the sum of the parts of what you're doing. That's it. I see you nodding there. You get yes, that. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I mean, well, let's use, I'll use an example of now that my, my second daughter is in a daycare that's near uh, my house. At the end of the day, I pick her up and I take her straight to the gym. And she has a little daycare area that they watch her while I lift weights and use the sauna. And I, it's a non-optional component for me. It's a required part of my day to go to the gym. I may or may not run in the day, but I always take my daughter to the gym. Uh, in part because she gets into free daycare for me, you know, for me, but also because I get that intentional one hour to commit to a kind of recovery. Because for me, it's at the end of my workday, so it's a really nice uh, you know cap to the day. To say now I get to you know lift some weights, hang on the sauna, really kind of decompress, and that healthy intentional decision yeah. it has just so many positive effects. My evening routine is then very chill. I sleep better because of it, and the next morning I'm ready to rock and roll again. And it's amazing what intentional healthy habits can do for you. I, I, I called out when you just read there, the energy and enthusiasm components. Yeah, I have viewed for years that energy is the foundation for all of this work that I do. Because without energy, I'm just kind of going through the motions in a really blase way. Like I need that sense of like, 
I'm just, I'm a rocket ship today. Let's go. And then the enthusiasm part, I just, I'm personally really like obsessed with this idea that I like what I do. And enthusiasm is a huge part of that. So if I'm doing things I don't like, I'm going to change what I'm doing. So I do like it. And so it's, it's, it's all connected for me in this way, but that one's, it's a, it's a big part. It, it reminds me of the concept. I realized this with my, with some of my kids, especially my older kids, you know, as you get kids, you kind of become of age, become self-aware and they start to be insecure and whatever. And I realized like, gosh, they need to do something that, that makes them feel proud of themselves, makes them feel mm. good. That's what I hear you talking about. And, and Joshua Spodek's aspect with Sidja, it's kind of that too, of realizing, man, when I do these things, I feel good about myself. I, some people struggle with the word proud. Um, Tom Ziegler said self-approving, you know, whatever, whatever it mm. is, but that you feel good about yourself, that that may be the big, you go into the gym afterwards. The biggest benefit is just, yeah, you doing that, that healthy habit is worth more for your psyche, self-confidence, self-image, whatever, than the actual muscle that you may gain is the right. concept there. I love, I love that. Thanks for pulling that out. Okay. Number three, I will choose short-term objectives that help me achieve my life's grandest goals. I want to hit on that. I, I feel like mm -hmm. we talked about that a little bit before that it's so important. I, I see people, it feels more and more. I don't know if it's a, if it says something about the culture right now, but I feel like the culture at large has a harder time being motivated by these long-term goals, mm -hmm. which I get now, you know, and I, and I'm 52, I'm at a different, you know, I'm at a, at a certain stage of life. I am very motivated, especially health and wellness wise, by who I want to be when I'm 90, which I want to be 90 or whatever. Right. And I want to be there and I want, I, but I want to be there and capable. That is a big motive for what I do today. I don't know how much percentage I would say, Jeff, but because I also want to look and feel a certain way right now. And that's there too. But man, I do have that long-term, but I find more and more people are just, they're just not, we were talking about some marketing stuff for a, a guy's buddy's business. And he was talking about some long-term stuff. And I said, I just don't know if people are going to be compelled by now, by that. We need to look at today. So you saying that I will choose short-term objectives that help me achieve my life's grandest goal. So knowing kind of some of the big term goals, that's the only way you know what direction you're going. But right. talk about that for a second when you when you're saying, OK, so maybe, you know, long term, do you want to be healthy when you're older? Yeah, but that may not motivate you to not eat cheesecake at midnight. <laughs> the, so come back to saying, OK, what's a more short term, probably uh, goal that's going to hit the motivation for now? How do you look at that? So I think the best way that I tend to frame this would be let's use the health uh, angle of life first. Most people would agree, like, I want to be healthy. Like, that uh, very generically, very vaguely seems very, to be true. Exactly, yeah. But, it, but it's it's too vague to act on. You can't yeah. do anything with that statement. It means nothing, Agreed. right? And so because it means nothing, you do nothing. And so we have to have something that anchors us to, into action. And so for me, if I were to say I value health, I value, you know, eating the right foods and moving my body, okay, well, so let's take that and apply a specific short-term goal like running for a train for a marathon that's on the calendar. There's a certain day, a certain location, a certain distance. I'm going to anchor my short term next few months of my life 
in that direction. And by doing so, I not only have the bucket list goal of a marathon checked off, but then I'll also be very much on the path to that big, vaguer health goal in general. And so my whole life is those short-term little blips that add up to this grander thing. We can look back on when you're 90 and say, here are all the things I did to achieve these bucket list goals, but they were always a short-term focus. It was never the sense of like, I'm going to go build a castle. It's like, I'm going to lay a brick. Like That's the next action to take. Um, to the example of turning 90, my grandfather just turned 90 this summer, and he is still living independently. He's healthy. He walks every day. Like He's a shining example for me of like, if I have his genetics, which I think that I do, I've got some, something working for me, but like I want to also be intentional about providing the, the foundation to get there. Okay, I'm sitting here. This is terrible. I'm, I'm doing uh, search on the web while we talk because I want to pull this thing up. There we go. Hold on. It's not showing up. It's a Netflix. Okay. So folks, Netflix, if you go there right now, there is, if you have an account, I just saw it yesterday, Jeff. And it's a, uh, just cause you talked about your grandfather. It's a blue zones show documentary. Oh, yeah. so Dan Butner. It's called, I can't, I'm not pulling it up now. It's called a hundred live a hundred years or something like that is the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going into what are the, so this is just a resource folks. If you go to, if you have Netflix, you can go now watch Dan Butner. I've been talking about him for years, <laughs> never ask him to be on the show because I've just never made the effort to, but I, I want to get him here at some point, but talking about the blue zones and uh, ended up being your grandfather. So there's a resource, but I want to go back oh, yeah, to your short-term goals. And I brought Zig up a lot, which I generally do, but uh, Zig Ziglar, he used to, he went through a time period of being overweight. And mm. he looked at a short-term goal. He called he he coined it the BAM block in a mailbox. The first day he went out and he walked a block and walked back. Mm. That was it. The next day it was one block and just to the next mailbox in his neighborhood, you know. And the next day just that. And he goes through this scenario and ultimately he was you know running and and doing whatever that the short-term goal. And it's interesting. Back when I had an organization, Jeff, where we were helping people pursue self-employment. So here they are, traditional employment. They're looking at self-employment. Talk about a big goal. I mean, it was huge mm. for them. Oh yeah. And we realized that we had some a handful of people that for some reason had decided to do five Ks, and they were just kind of testifying that, gosh, it was so great to five K, but not a marathon, but a five K. Right. And to go out there and to do it and to train a little bit, to walk, to run, do what they could. And they did their first 5k and they walked half of it, you know, and kind of jogged that, but they did it. And then they did the next one. And you realize, you know, that at the beginning stages, man, your progress is huge. And they even yeah. cut five minutes off or 10 minutes uh-huh, off. Uh-huh. And those little wins were so helpful. Again, this was new to me. It was so helpful in them feeling like they now have confidence to go after this big goal. And it opened up this concept that you have in the book for me that I had not really realized uh, from that, you know, from that standpoint. Uh, so I'll use great point. That's point number three. Number four, I will track my progress, make necessary adjustments and hold myself accountable. And in the book, you say, OK, that's kind of three things, but they're in one. So I will track my progress, make just unpack that a little bit for us. So this really comes down to kind of my combination of project management and weekly review processes. So I'm looking at, let's say you have an objective of running a marathon, which I love to use as an example because it's so actionable. Yeah. You might say, well, my, my longer term vision here in the next six months, I'm going to run this marathon. And you've broken it down on what I, I call a project manager. I mean, most of mine are just like a word document where I just kind of like, here's the list of actions I'm going to take. And so that's where it starts is just a simple list of like, I'll do these 10 things over the next six months. 
and you're tracking your progress in the sense that at least once a week, you do a review of that project. Where am I now? And based on where I am, what's the next best focus in the next seven days? And it's just this intentionality of acknowledging where you are in the process. So if it's a six month project, you're, you know, four weeks into it, well, where are where are you now? How do you feel about it emotionally? Do you need to make any strong pivots? What changes are necessary? It's this awareness of yourself and where you are. And that's it's, it's really important because later in the book, I talk about the quarter system and how much I hate 12 month long year long goals, because yeah. most people don't do a year long goal, they do sprints. And so if they say, here's a goal, January 1st, here's my goal for the year, they'll start working on it in December, like they waited 11 months to even start. So for me, it's like it all ties together in this sense of where are you in the process? What's the next best, best thing to do? And that knowing where you are clarifies what to do next, which then means your calendar gets filled in automatically with the next smartest choice. Thank you. The long-term goal, again, I really like your perspective on it. And it brought me to thinking again about something that I dealt with with my older kids because they, I was, I'm their dad. So here I am, the self-help, you know, nut, like you talk about <laughs> yourself talking yeah. about this stuff. And, and it honestly, and I want people to hear this because I, I hear a lot of people in this place, they hear the message and it's kind of overwhelming. Like really, what's my, my law? I got to set this long-term goal. And especially for my kids who haven't experienced a whole lot and they're supposed to pick it. And what I've finally realized is to pick the best that you, the, a big goal to the best of your abilities. Now that the best of your experience, now that's all, you know, you're, you're, you're only where you are. You don't know. And I think for some people to look at that and go, Oh my gosh, here's where I want to be. I'm, you know, 20 years old or 30 years old. Here's where I want to be when I'm 60. How the heck do you know where you want to be? If I, <laughs> I, I don't, I couldn't have answered that. I mean, I'm stoked with where I am today. I didn't envision this. I mean, there right. were qualities and values. That's what my you know book, What Drives You, talks about is look at what my values are, but how am I going to walk that out? Okay, this is what I value you know, spiritually. This is what I value in relationships as best I know right now. So I'm going to walk that out with short-term goals right now, and it may change. And I've gotten, you know, I'm old enough that I've had seasons in my life and realized, man, that season really changed. And I that mm. thing that I went after, that goal, that was great for that time. I'm done or, or, or I'm done or I'm shifted, I should say, you yes. know, and go over here. So I appreciate that to, to look at it. It, it kind of, I mean, a long-term goal. I want to be healthy. Okay. What does that mean? Well, right now you like that, you want to run marathons and maybe you want 20 inch biceps. I don't know if that's, <laughs> but, you know, whatever that is. Okay. And you might get to the point of going, you know, now I want to do some ultra, some really ultra marathon mm -hmm. stuff. You can't do that with, 20 inch biceps. I think, I, mean, I don't know if I'm using the right diameter there, but you, know, you don't want some big chunky things. So you go, okay, I'm not going to yeah. do that, man. I'm not going to go to the gym anymore right now. I'm going to really lean down, whatever it is. I'm using that as an analogy, but just to yeah. look at, there are seasons, there are cycles. So yeah, have some long-term concepts and values, but I totally agree with you. It's it so, so, so seldom is motivating if it's that far out. And two, it's so hard to conceive. I, I just find people stuck there. They're stuck because I don't, I don't know. And I'd say, yeah, you don't. So just go as far as you know. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure it's in this book. I, I have the example of Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, and how he had graduated I'll with I'll his- I'll tell you what's yeah. in your book. Just ask me. Well, right, right. I wrote the book a while ago. <laughs> it didn't remind me of what I said. Yeah, but like the story of Tim Cook is a fascinating one because, you know, he is literally the leader of what, what the biggest company in the world or one of the biggest. Yeah.
but he didn't plan it. And he was asked to create a 25 year plan when he finished his MBA. And then 25 years later, he went back for to talk with the dean and they asked him about his plan. Like how accurate was your vision of your life when you were a student? And he said that the first 12 months were sort of accurate and everything after that was useless. And it just really made me think like, here's a guy that the, the top of the mountain in the business world, and he didn't plan any of this nonsense. He just got there through all the ins and outs and craziness of life, but it wasn't a long-term plan that made it work. And it's just, I, I don't see anybody actually doing that in real life. I see them with vague visions, but then they get more specific in the short term. And that's what ultimately leads them to wherever they end up. Okay. I love that. It's interesting. It'd be so interesting to look at his, uh, here's, I'm going to make an assumption just to prove the point. I bet though, that within that 25 year, you know, goal that he had to set out, that there were some values that did stay true, that there were some values that he says, okay, but the methodologies he's chose, that's what I've, I've realized. I mean, my values, knowing my values is what kept me going in generally the right direction, even though the methodologies change so much. I wish I had understood that more and given myself grace. Cause we get into that going, here's where I want to go. Here's the value. And I need to achieve it this way. That's how, this is how Bob did it. So this is how I'm going to do it. I maybe give yourself some grace for trying this, trying that, but knowing the values are out there. Well, and even yeah. to that point, you know, it's like people have asked me before, well, Jeff, how do I, you know, build a podcast like you have or, or write a book or give these speeches? And I would look back at my own career, even I'm talking about right now, I, if I was starting over today, I wouldn't do the same things I did 10 years ago. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not the same world we live in. I can't apply the same principles or use the same technology or whatever the thing is. It's not the same. So the path is always changing. Even if you don't want it to, it just, it is on its own. Agreed. Th- yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. All right. Something that I wanted to hit here because you and I talked about it a couple of days ago is you're talking about, I think it's in chapter two. It's like one of the sub chapters or something. Comfort is the energy, uh, the energy. How about the energy? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's a, there is some energy. That's his part there of the point. could be. Yeah. That's a Freudian. Uh, <laughs> comfort though is the enemy of greatness. All right. At face value, I get that. And I want to unpack it a little bit because I also get how that can just feel bad. Uh, and you can get this feeling of, I, I think I mentioned it the other day and I'm, I'm not picking on the dude. I don't know him. I haven't studied this stuff. He's a big name out there, but David Goggins, you know, and I think we look at him and, and he, he would, I kind of get that feeling. He would go comfort. That's ah, for sissies. You know, no, we don't do comfort. <laughs> and I'm at the point of going, I just, I love comfort. And I want to back to celebrate. I want to enjoy life. And he may totally agree. Again, I'm I'm just picking on the concept that that, that there is of him somewhat. But uh, that that I, I I love comfort. I I like looking at. It. However, if I get stuck, and we are in such a comfort focused society where it feels like that's made the priority above everything else, that there are some times when, man, if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to change, if I'm going to reach any goal of value that's going to involve some discomfort. So I'm not going out looking for discomfort. It's kind of that thing of, you know, where do you learn the most? Gosh, in trials and challenges. Okay, so today I'm going to go out and just make life really suck. So I learned. (laughs) We don't go out and do that. It by proxy finds it kind of comes back to, uh, I think we did mention this on your show, Donald Miller in a million miles Mm -hmm. and a thousand years. And he says, you know, we look at movies of all time that a great story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. If we want something and it's easy, if I want 
blueberries, I'll walk over to the store and get it. Not a big deal, not a big challenge. Uh, now, if I want to own a blueberry farm, as I'm getting into goofy analogies, but you know, we're, we're looking at, at something of value. Comfort is the enemy of greatness that we do tend to culturally seem to glorify and get stuck in comfort. And it can, it will get in the way of our greatness, which comes back to the intentionality of what we value, what are we doing, auditing our life. And I, I just, when, you know, again, you brought me back to that of going, where am I allowing comfort to get in the way of greatness? And then really even question, Jeff, this is what I came to, I think it was yesterday and looking at your book of thinking, why am I, why am I seeking comfort so much? If I am really mm. that focused on looking for comfort, it may be because I'm doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. I'm not having boundaries. I'm not in a healthy place. And it brought me back there. And that's kind of what, for whatever reason, I got to, hmm, I, I mean, I love comfort. I want some a little bit every day. But why, if I'm really seeking it, am I escaping? What am I escaping from? Mm. So I don't know if I have a question there. It's just thank you for bringing me to that. Is that fair? I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot here that I, I still like, I'm really glad that I wrote it, but I also know that I've evolved personally, kind of to your point about like, I love comfort. It's like, I, I do too. And I've never been anti-comfort, but I am, it's an interesting balance between how much comfort I'm seeking versus, you know, the growth that I'm pursuing. And there's that healthy balance of those two that kind of evolve over time. Um, you know, John Acuff? Yeah. Yeah, yes, I, I, I have his his new book is literally in a stack. Yes, right here. so I just interviewed him for his new book recently. Did you really? Okay, I've got yeah. signed up. And, and I mean, he lives here in Nashville. I've known John for a long time. And one thing I was asking him about was this similar idea of comfort. And he was talking about how, you know, he lives in a world, he's always on the road, he's traveling, he's speaking, he's working. And he was saying, he's like, I don't even know what's on Netflix right now. I couldn't even tell you what shows are popular. I don't know. And I don't care. And he was saying that because he's got to a point where he's more excited about what he's doing than he is about any level of comfort he gets from a TV show or a couch or whatever might you might know, I mean, you know view as comfort. And so for him, it's that to that point of comfort is not bad. It's just so uninteresting now because there's so many other things he'd rather be doing. And I feel like there's such an interesting angle of what are you drawn to? And to your point about if you're drawn to comfort all the time, it may just be an addiction and a bad habit that has to be kicked in order to pivot your focus onto something that's drawing you in a healthy and positive direction. Mm -hmm. um, and to the point of David Goggins, I've read all of his books and his content. He is crazy and super intense, and he hates comfort. He has a, a life story that makes him very antagonistic towards it. But I draw from all these sources, right? People who are anti-comfort, those who are pro, and it's always that, where am I and how do I want to get the best out of my time? And I'm, I, I bring in the best of all that. And it's never a, a, a never a question of, do I just want to reject comfort and fight all the time or just kind of give up and lay around? I, it's it's always a balance of what feeds my soul next to push me forward where I want to go. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that because I, as I talked about, you know, on your show, there's some of my own drive I'm trying to shift. I'm not going to call it towards comfort necessarily, but to, to a degree of go, like we talked about on Sunday, sometimes I'm going, okay, the thing that I, I feel would be best, the best goal is don't do anything productive, Kevin. I, I, I yeah. love my work. I love what I do. I love my family. I love my health and wellness pursuits. I, I'm, I am so eager to go out, jump on my mountain bike and go do a trail and do it hard and look for a PR that also gets to be an addiction. 
I even oh, had, yeah. I actually had a health coach one time. She said, you're, you're doing, you're intense you're doing too much and you're not recovering and you've yep. got to slow down. And so there's some aspects there of, yeah, you know, and, and I get David Goggins, but at some point, dude, you got to recover. And I do, <laughs> I'll come back to different personality styles and whatever, but I, I do, I love celebration. Last night, I tried to take Wednesdays as my long work day and a time of solitude to kind of get away from the family. Mm-hmm. So my wife takes care of the kids, whatever. I was literally here at my office till about 1030. And I did do some really good work stuff that I had wanted to do. And I had a really nice dinner. And I had a really nice glass of wine and I pulled something while I did it. I pulled something up on Netflix. That's where I saw this Dan Buettner uh, mm. thing. I pulled something up. And so I had a little time of comfort. I had a little oasis of comfort amongst that. And then I thought of something I wanted to do for work and I shut it down and I did some more work in there. So yeah, I appreciate you saying it's a balance. It's a balance. So we got to kind of coming back to the audit of looking at, you know, comfort, not a bad thing. Got to budget it uh, to some degree. So yes. comfort, but it can be if you're missing out on your greatness, say, look at your comfort and look at, yeah, what to what you said. Why is that? Why are you needing that comfort so much? Um, something at the beginning of the show that you said, bouncing out of the bed with enthusiasm. Um, that one is, I'm going to come back to again having that goal. And I did find, I pulled, I, I've turned my books around here. John Acuff's new book is all it takes is a goal. So that you just mm-hmm. had him on the show. We've got him coming up as well. I mean, we, to, to b- bounce out of that bed with enthusiasm, morning person or not. And these days I feel like I, I hardly ever hear any, any, anybody these days that says they're a morning person. We're all, people are so <laughs> busy. We got, so we just did a pro, uh, series on anxiety we got so much going on that I, I feel people struggling to ever feel like they're a morning person. But what I wanted to pull out here, even when you talk about your book, The 5 a.m. Miracle, it's not that you're trying to get people excited about. I love to get up at 5 a.m. Like in and of, that in and of itself is some holy grail or bouncing out of the bed with enthusiasm. That, that's that's not the, the the point is the end result. You are bouncing out. Jeff Sanders is bouncing out of the Well, I'll ask you bouncing out of the bed with enthusiasm because what there's an end. What's the end goal? There's an end you're bouncing yes. out of because of you're not going to, cause there's some, go- I get a trophy for bouncing out of the bed with enthusiasm. Hey, did somebody see me? Is that videotape? I'm going to put that on. I bounce out of it. Do I get a trophy? You get nothing for that. You bounce yeah. out of bed because of X, the end result is what you're talking about. So we're back again to, yeah, the go, this is so aligned with what are you, what do you, value. And I would say that you doing this, Jeff, this methodology of your book and your message is causing you to revisit and re-strengthen that goal every day to where now you do authentically. You don't have to think, is that fair? You don't have to think about it. You literally do. I mean, if you get to a point where this is just your life, it's not, yeah, you're not questioning this. Uh, my wife brings an example all the time of, you know, if somebody is going to the gym for the first time or the first time in a long time, they tell you about it. Like I, I worked out today. I went to the gym today. I was the weights today. Right. Aren't you excited for me? Right. And you're like, I mean, sure. Great. Good for you. Maybe. But like, if I go to the gym, I'm not telling anybody because I just do it. It just is who I am and what I do. I'm not going to, it's not a celebration. It's just part of that process to get where I'm going. The balance in about enthusiasm to me is just a side effect of I'm choosing to focus on the things that bring about the best in me. And this is one thing that happens to come along with it. And it just adds to that whole spectrum of I'm doing this right now. It's working. And if I don't feel that, if I wake up and I'm just exhausted, upset, don't want to do life today, 
oh, I made a mistake somewhere. Something happened. I got myself too worked up, too stressed out. I have the wrong focus, wrong job. Like whatever the thing is, like I'm doing something that needs to be corrected. And so it's always to me a good test of is my life like in a good place right now? This is a good season or is it not? And what can I do to correct it if it's not? Okay, and which you you bring me to, and again, everybody listening, we recently did a series with uh, Scott Allender, another Nashville guy, on emotional intelligence, and you know to know where you are, where are you emotionally, what are you feeling? You're, you're, this is part of that audit of understanding what you're doing again, back to like, why are you seeking comfort? How, what are you feeling? And this has been a hard place for me because I don't know what I'm feeling. That's not been a part of my life. I'm trying to, to, to get to that place now. So, uh, emotional intelligence, I think is a key part of this. So folks can go listen to that. I did want to ask you about, you actually have, it's chapter six in your book where you talk about habits. So habits has probably never been talked about more right than right now. We can thank James clear and atomic habits maybe for that, mm -hmm. uh, with, with that. So love habits now, number or chapter seven, then you talk about routines. I want you to unpack that because most people just lump those as the same thing and you have them segmented out. Help us out. I mean, in a sense, a routine is just a group of habits, right? So a routine would be like my morning routine is a series of habits that I have. My evening routine is just a series of habits that I do. Okay. And so to a certain degree, it's just like a grouping of the habits you choose to do. Um, there's, there's different ways to kind of view what that is. It's kind of the difference, like a ritual versus a routine versus a habit. They're all really related. And the terminology at some point means nothing. It really is the question of if you're going to start your day in the same way intentionally or end your day in the same way, what kinds of habits would you group together to make it the most valuable time for you? And when that comes together, you can then define your, your day almost in bigger chunks of here's like the morning routine, my early day workday routine, my afternoon routine, my evening routine, nighttime sleeping routine. All these things can be kind of grouped in these chunks. And when that happens, it's easier to then figure out what habits go where and how to optimize these individual groups. That's kind of how I view it. Okay. No, I love the, I love the concept. So the, here's the habits. So I could list out all my habits. I could go through James Clear's book. Here's all the habits I want. Now, how do I do them? How do I walk mm. them out? How do I list them out and put them into a routine that I, I that's well, that's sustainable, which honestly brings mm. me to my kind of anchoring point. Yeah. Thank you. I, I know. Yes. You, I love that you talk about that. Uh, you, I don't even know where it is in the book, but you talk somewhere about uh, I don't know if you, I think you use the word sustainable, but that was the concept oh, yeah. of saying, okay, so if everybody hears us, they go, and they've been just doing the, the, you know, life is happening to them, waking up in the morning and going from the you know city street to the ring. And to use my analogy without that in between, and they go, okay, tomorrow I'm waking up at 5.00 AM and they haven't been waking up till whenever seven and then just running that you're, you're, you're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I appreciate you do that because I go expected to go. Okay, so tomorrow, guys, you hear this message tomorrow, poof, five a.m. and you never go from again. And instead, you're like, whoa, whoa. I'll let you say why. You're like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I mean, sustainability is the whole point, right? Yeah. A habit means nothing if you can't do it long term. And the goal of being healthy when you're ninety means nothing if you burn yourself out when you're thirty-two. And I use that age as an example because I burned myself out when I was 32 okay. and I wound up in the hospital and I had this whole series of panic attacks. I mean, I've got this entire health history of hmm. doing too much, of being the guy who pushed too hard, of teaching productivity and then doing productivity so much that it almost killed me. Like, I know this very acutely. And to be sustainable means that you're choosing a lifestyle. And the point of a lifestyle means how you live on, every day ongoing 
so that you can still do this a year from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now. And if it's not sustainable, then you have to acknowledge that this is a short term burst. I'll do these habits for a short time for this very specific reason. But then I'm going to pivot to something that's more sustainable and healthy for me long term. And it's just I think for that to that degree, it's an awareness piece of what where you are and what these habits mean to you and being very aware that pushing the boundaries cannot be the norm. Okay, so play with that. So if somebody's, you know, generally waking up at, I don't know, seven o'clock and then just boom, the alarm goes off and it's run, get the kids here, whatever, get to uh, get to get to work or whatever. And now we're saying 5 a.m. that you may say, okay, maybe just get up 15 minutes earlier and give yourself. Is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when I recommend people to shift their um, sleeping patterns, there's two options I usually give kind of the nuclear option. So do 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, no matter what or the much slower, more sustainable, you know, transition period of kind of getting there over time. Um, Earlier this summer, I went on an international trip and had a big, you know, jet lag experience on Mm -hmm. both directions. And it like reminded me very acutely of what it means to shift your patterns in a very dramatic way very quickly. And the shock to the system that you feel when you do that. And it's it's painful, it hurts, you feel it, it messes with all your systems, your digestion, your sleep, everything gets messed up because you've just dramatically changed your life. For some people, they actually respond best to that. It's more the militant kind of perspective. I wanna just get the solution tomorrow morning, that's it. Mm -hmm. Most people cannot continue that. They'll do it tomorrow morning, but by day two, they've already quit. You know, it's not gonna work. And so you're looking for the solution that in six months from now, you're still doing this. And six days from now is where you started, but we wanna make sure that the habit switch really does like stick around. So a slower transition is by far more, uh, you know, accessible and more successful for most people. Okay, so thank you. So yeah, one maybe you know try fifteen minute increments or, or whatever. Now, obviously, you you know this from a a a, or a a routine. We're best like circadian rhythm to do. You know, go to bed the same time every night, get up the same time every morning is generally best. But again, I want to give grace for that. And if you're listening to this and going, oh my gosh, you know, and and it would work for you to say, you know what, twice a week right now, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and have a full, have the full time, but it's only going to be twice a week. Awesome, man. It's a start. Yeah. I mean, to to look back and go this week, I did it twice or or (laughs) once. I mean, whatever, we're we're just giving some grace uh, for this. Another thing I wanted to hit though, Jeff, was if somebody does this, you know, this like with workout routines and we know this from the new year's resolution type stuff. Okay. This is what I'm going to do. And we start off with a bang and maybe it is great. And you do enjoy it. Inevitably, what I find out with something new is you are going to, and the big term is lose momentum. Something's going to happen. Uh, and it's going to interrupt it and you're going to fall. I see so many people and that's the end of the story. Boom. Yeah, I did it. It was great, but then life happened and they don't. And this is kind of the, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up type thing, man, just, I want everybody listen. If this is a new thing, just know, just put it on this calendar or don't, not on the calendar, don't say when it's going to happen, <laughs> but put it out there and go, I'm going to lose momentum. I'm going to fall off the rails. Something's going to happen and it's going to derail. You could put it on the calendar though. You okay. could, you could almost to the degree of predicting what this is. Okay. Most people will, in the world of habits, I, mean, I think James Clear's a, a similar analogy is the 21 day time period or 30 days to solidify a habit. 
And what generally happens is those first one to two weeks is when all the motivation is there and the enthusiasm. And by that 21st day, you already don't care anymore. You're yes. already just like off the mountain has, as you fall off the cliff, it's over. Yeah. And so you could almost schedule, I'm going to feel bad today. Let me like predict that and change my behavior to, you know, get around it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And, and maybe, you know, you give yourself a little break and you go back, you know, you've gotten yourself up to getting up an hour earlier and you say, Oh my gosh, man, I'm not feeling it. Okay. Go back to 15 minutes, you know, yeah. or maybe you miss it a couple of times, but know it's going to happen. Wave to it. Say, Hey, hi, was expecting you. That's reasonable and deal with it and then get past it and get back into it and allow yourself some grace there. Yeah. Again, I, I just, I, oh, it burdens me when I see people, they're so excited. I think sometimes I, I, it scares me now when I see somebody, they're starting something new and they're really excited. I'm going, Oh man, like the more excited you are, the more likely you are that this is going to come to an end. Uh, so, <laughs> so can I just tell you, okay, I'm glad you're excited. That's going to end. Just like what you yeah. said, you might as yeah. well just put it count. It's going to end. Uh, and let that happen. That's part of the process. Get back into it, do what you got to do, have a little grace, get back into it. And you can get to a point then if you'll, if you'll persevere through that with some grace and compassion for yourself and persevere, you can get to a point where you're, you're, you're on it for, for life. I, I'm, I'm there. I'm somebody who wasn't doing it. Now I am in it for life. There are seasons. And again, you're so gracious with this in your book, Jeff, there are seasons when you may go through a time period. My gosh, if you had a kid that had an illness in the hospital, whatever, it would turn your life upside down. And you may not have this time that you're talking about as a sacred piece of your life. Mm. You may not have that for a week, for a month, but yeah. you're going to come back to it. You've tasted it. You know it. No different than if you yeah, went to a different country and ate total junk because that's what's available, whatever. <laughs> At some point, you're going to come home and get back to, okay, that's, you know, or the holidays, you know, whatever, but you're going to come back to it. So if you, the longer you do it, it will grow that muscle in essence. We call it muscle memory. Well, on that same example, I just had kind of a brutal science infection for the last three weeks. Mm. And I had some really good habits before I got sick. And then the habits were destroyed and then I had to rebuild. And I feel like that pattern for me of like systematically saying, here's my default norm that's healthy and good. Things happen. My schedule gets thrown out of whack, but I always have a very intentional plan to get back to where I was so I can progress further. And it's this acknowledgement that those kinds of, of dips, you know, being sick, traveling, whatever, those things are going to happen. Like it's not unavoidable. They will happen. And so the plan of being intentional to recover from them intelligently, like is a necessary piece at the beginning to kind of predict it will be there. Okay, man, this has just been fun. It's inspiring. I, again, I needed to revisit <laughs> this and I love talking through it. I love like, kind of hitting some of the challenges and obstacles that I know people face with this and try to help them get through that. Again, your book is so gracious and folks, so it's Jeff Sanders. Again, the book is the 5 a.m. miracle. You can go get that on Amazon or, or wherever. That's the one I've been studying. Well, it's behind me on my book and it's, <laughs> you can see it's kind of crinkled, man. I've been writing in it and uh, folding pages down and whatnot. The podcast is the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast, which honestly is a great one. You, there's, there's a start. Get up early in the morning and spend 15 minutes, if that's your start, and listen to Jeff's podcast. He's inspiring. He's going to give you an inspiring spirit behind it and give you some methodologies to help walk this out. And you can find everything that he is doing at jeffsanders.com. Man, thank you. It's been a gift to be with you twice this week, and I look forward to staying connected, and you'll be my 5 a.m. Uh, uh, intentional morning buddy. So, uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for what you do to get this thing, uh, this stuff out. And thanks for the time with me today. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
Friends, thank you for tuning into Self Helpful, where I curate the sea of new personal development materials and help you integrate wisdom into your life because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. 